Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I know that we said we would be back Monday for our next podcast, but... uh, (laughs) We, just, we, lied. we just couldn't resist talking about Michael Phelps, so we had a special podcast dedicated to that. And the open practice that we saw yesterday, um, which was, I don't know how revealing it was. In some ways, I think that there were the young players were interesting to see at, in terms of their compete level. Um, but I think it also confirmed the most important thing about this team is that Notre Dame really does have two quarterbacks who could play at a very, very high level. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I think this is something we've been saying all along. It's we, Although we feel like Kaiser will win the starting job, there's really not a bad decision here. These are two two quality quarterbacks. These are Each one of these guys can lead Notre Dame to double-digit victories if the defense is, you know, respectable and can, can put them in position for victory so and we saw that yesterday um you know i think there's a tendency like when we do instant analysis in the immediate aftermath of something like that i know it's kind of a tendency with me it's well this they didn't do this they didn't do this they didn't do this quarterbacks threw the ball very well yes i counted you know when i went through all the stats there were seven drops three of them by javon mckinley you know true freshman two by Corey holmes who has has struggled at times but Passes were on target. By and large, the, the the receivers caught the ball very well. It was hard not to focus on Equinemius St. Brown's drop of the deep ball, but otherwise he caught the ball pretty well. I think yeah. he had a he had a false start late in the practice that he got yanked out on. But Nick Wisher, uh, Miles Boykin, Chris Fink all did very, very well. There was somebody else that had um, well, Dexter Williams is it was five for five on throws out of the backfield. So I mean, I thought they were offensively. There were a lot of good things that happened. You hate to see the drops, but when there are seventy-five passes thrown or so in seven on seven, eleven on eleven, you're going to have a few. Yeah, and I, I think that look, the conditions. I'm not saying it's not going to be hot in Texas, but it was brutal that yesterday. Was a really, man. really, <laughs> really <laughs> very ugly very weather hot. day. First practice. And I think in the case of Equimini St. Brown and Brian Kelly mentioned after the practice about the thumb injury. I think it's like you just wear down in the course of that practice. Your concentration starts to go. You're feeling a little bit woozy, uh, you know, and then it's really hard to see the ball when you can't see anything. So um, I think that happened as the the practice wore on yesterday. But but also you did not see that happen with the quarterbacks and some of the more mature players. I think that the heat affected the young players, but maybe not the old guys. And it's that whole group, and we're going to talk about a lot today and all through wide receivers – Young group, we're going to answer questions about it today, and it's going to change next week because we watched Miles Boykin have a great practice. First thing I asked Brian Kelly about was Miles Boykin, and he immediately downplayed it in that, quite obviously, he didn't have that practice previously. So I think receivers are popping up here and there. I'm sure Equimini St. Brown had that practice somewhere along the way in Culver, and we didn't see it. I bet you that's the situation for everyone not named Torrey Hunter through most of August and maybe into September. That, that's that's okay because they have a lot of guys that can help there. I would I think when we said at the end of Culver's first practice the defensive backs beat the receivers today, 
if not for the drops, the receivers would have destroyed the defensive yes. backs yesterday. Yeah. You know, and one last thing on St. Brown. I mean, there's greater scrutiny on him because they are looking for a compliment to yeah. Torrey Hunter. And when I asked Brian Kelly about, you know, who's your surprise skill position guy, he, he said it would it could come from several people, but I believe St. Brown was the first one that he mentioned. That's the guy that they're looking to emerge. So the scrutiny is a little bit greater for and him. And he's received, he went out there first, first team reps right. all the time. We yeah, he's with, he's, he's, he's with the ones. He's with the ones. So, I, I, you know, there's a reason for that. And as he said, it's training camp. Practice six for a sophomore <laughs> that didn't play much last year. He's going to have ups and downs. Yeah, it's, look, somebody needs to be the number two receiver. Um, is it Kevin Stefferson? Is it St. Brown? Is it Sanders? I would still put my money on St. Brown um, no. after what I saw yesterday, even with the drops because... Yeah, he dropped that deep ball, but he was fast enough and athletic enough to be in position that that deep ball could be thrown, and I'm not sure I would say that about those other guys. I feel like those guys are going to have, like, Devaris Daniels' first year in 2012, where there's flashes. Yeah. Instead of one Devaris Daniels, there's, like, three or four of them, which is good. There's going to be somebody stepping up, maybe over the course of two weeks, three weeks, but I don't think... There's going to be a number two guy that catches fifty passes. I think, I think it's a, a bunch of guys. It's a and it's interesting that you mentioned Devaris Daniels because it, it it immediately made reminded me that what was he lacking? He was lacking strength, and that's what that's what St. Brown is dealing with. There was one pass that I marked, um, where Cole Luke redirected him. You know, you hear defensive coaches talking about redirect the 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 route or the receiver. He allowed St. Brown allowed Cole Luke to redirect him because he's stronger than than St. Brown is. So I think that you'll see the fluctuation of performance a lot of times because he's just not as strong as he's going to be a couple years from now. You know, other guys that uh, you know Brian Kelly noted at least Tavon Coney I thought got a little bit more pub than I was expecting because mm-hmm. I, I haven't really seen a whole lot from him in the two open practices or the highlights that would make you think he's having a great camp. Um, Jerry Tillery was singled out by Brian Kelly. Is being more physical. I saw. I did see him make a couple plays. Um, it wasn't like he's a dominating force. And then, I, I guess I'm curious about the whole Isaac Rochelle thing because I thought he's been pretty good. I think he's um, been really good. Actually, you know, when he, I, I, when Brian Kelly described him as a lumberer, I was like, really? Maybe but that, from two I years did, ago. I but guess, then but... I did think of back to the Virginia game uh, where I think Matt Johns was rolling out and Rochelle just had him. And lumbered right by him. Was so maybe on, there is something to that. Was it on Rochelle's 87th play of the 85 yeah. snap game, though? Because that'll happen to you, too. Yeah. When, I think so. of, when I think of a, a lumbering defensive end in Notre Dame, I think more of Ethan Johnson than yeah. I do Isaac yeah, Rochelle. I think, I think maybe I mean, maybe they're just talking about the ability to have a little bit more wiggle and, and get by your guy and get to the quarterback. I mean, that's what they need out of him. Like, it's hard for me to believe he's going to be that much better against the run because he's been very, very really good, good against that. I mean, maybe he can make some more stops behind. He's going to be a three-gap player. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe he can make a few more stops behind the line of scrimmage. Somebody's got to pick up that gap. I, I think Sheldon Day had 15 and a half last year. I mean, they don't they don't have anybody like that at tackle unless Tillery. I mean, you got to be anytime, – anytime that a Notre Dame coach singles out Tillery as doing something positive, you got to cling to it because – most of the time when yeah, they've talked about him, last it's been... year. Yeah, right. I haven't heard that. Right. And I, I have to admit, I haven't seen that as much from Tillery as they talked about, but it's great to hear because, I mean, obviously there's been a lot more practice. Yeah, time. It, it's, it's like I've been trying to watch him and you're seeing penetration, mm-hmm. um, not all the time, but there's some good stuff happening there. And, you know, a linebacker, I think 
I mean, I, I hesitate to be like, oh, Niles Morgan's going to have a great season before he makes his first real start, quote-unquote. But I think Niles Morgan is going to have a great season um, before he makes his first <laughs> yeah, real start. I think there, you watch him practice. I think there are a lot of earmarks indicating yeah. that he is going to be really, really good. I think he needs, you know, we've talked about this, he needs help around him. He needs help in front of him so he has a clean path to the ball carrier. Is he always going to make the right read? Well, he didn't do it the first two years, so he's probably not in a position to do that 100% of the time or even close to 100% of the time. But physically, man, he can light people up. He got lit up by he got lit up by McGlinchey uh, yesterday. Stay out of McGlinchey's way and stay on the field. Yeah, speaking of McGlinchey, McGlinchey, I'm really impressed with his leadership skills yesterday with the offensive line. I mean, and it seems like it's very natural for him and you have guys that ascend to that role under Harry Heastan along the offensive line, watching McGlinchey work with Biven. You know, Biven's fighting for a starting spot, and to see McGlinchey take the time to go over there and say, no, do this, don't do that, he's definitely a, a, assumed a leadership role. He's the number one clear-cut captain. Only three or four. On a while, will be another one. Yeah. yeah. But McGlinchey's at the top. Yeah, let's talk about the, the offensive line before we move into our questions for our, our readers. In terms of what's going on at the – Right guard spot um, in center. That, I think it's it's both. It's just there. There are more candidates in play than I thought there would be. Um, I, and I expected. I, I guess I don't. For some reason, I don't know why. I just thought that Biven would hold on to that job through camp, and it seems way more up in the air than I was expecting. Yeah, and when they well, when we went to uh, Culver last Saturday, McGovern was playing right tackle, correct? Yeah, they need. So they'll, they'll settle in and have to get one of those guys at tackle. Yeah, but, it's but I mean, enough. when you saw that, I thought, okay. You know, McGovern's going to be the, a, a utility guy for them, kind of like Harrell, only McGovern. I think they trust a little bit more. Uh, but, man, I don't know. Just w- watching Tristan Hodge yesterday, again, the way he carries himself, then bouncing between two positions, the coaching that's going on with him. I think you mentioned it, Tim. Anytime a guy gets yeah. gets chewed by Harry Heastan, that's usually a good sign, um, you know, because he's taking the time to coach him. But, I'll be writing about that, and I had asked Brian Kelly about that. I think it's kind of interesting because we're we're three weeks away from the season, and it doesn't sound like the right guard position is settled, and the and it 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 bumps over into the center position as well, depending upon which of the two emerge. He was kind of wrongly anointed, Mustafer at center. Uh, he, it sounds like that was he that's stand the case. dropped a he stand said at the end of spring when we interviewed him, Hodge is not far behind. Mustafer, but right. when Kelly said Mustafer won the job, you kind of take that at face value. I, I, I would guess that Mustafer <laughs> will start because you could still get Hodge in there if Hodge is that impressive. Right. Mm-hmm. I am coming around thinking Hodge is going to be the starting right guard against Texas right now. And we have a lot of practice before you to say that, but the things he can, if they're considering him starting at two positions, they might really just want to get him in there, one of them. Yeah, and I mean, Tim, Priester, you asked Kelly about this, like, what's... Basically, what's up with Hodge? Why do you like him so much? Yeah, because and, we've never really had an. Right, have we ever right. had an? He's only been here, yeah, you know, a short but time. But it's like the way he described the way they want to run the offense. They got to pull the guards. Clearly, he's the best of those three at doing that. Um, you know, is he going to root somebody out on third and one? Probably not. That's why you run to the left in that situation. But I, he's easily the best athlete of those three. Um, of well, oh yeah, Biven yeah, 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 and McGovern. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's even competitive. Yeah. I mean, McGovern's had a bunch of knee injuries. Biven's been banged up a little bit. I mean, Hodge just seems like he's in tremendous physical condition. 
he's not huge by any stretch of the imagination, but he's athletic, and it's hard to find athletic guards in college anywhere. And, and I think they're also looking at him. He's got four years of eligibility. Yeah, yeah, he's that's, got that's he's the one he's the one with the greatest upside in there. Um, I I find it interesting that that's the kind of right guard you want now, whereas you just recently made a move to push Elmer from tackle right. to guard so you could get stronger on the three interior line positions. I'm not second-guessing it. I just think it's... Probably just what they had available. They yeah, yeah. They I mean, but I, I think it's interesting. I can't... Man, this would be a hell of an offensive line with, with Steve Elmer. That is like the forgotten story Man. of the senior four-year starter is the yeah. guy we're not talking about. 30 career starts. 30 right. career starts coming back. That's... That's, everybody talks about Corey yeah. Robinson. This that's a much bigger yeah, hit. It's a it's an interesting point about that the Elmer move because I mean you look at the strength they had between Nick Martin and Steve Elmer, and now you're going to go to Tristan Hodge and, and Sam Mustafer at those two positions. That you're going to have to run a different style of offense. Yeah, I. You know, I think I mean I got to see Sam Mustafer play to yeah. know how strong. Yeah. You know, we can a lot of times when you're dealing with an offense, especially with an offensive lineman, you're just kind of. You're kind of guessing as to how he plays the game until you have some game footage to actually yeah, watch. Yeah, all him. he has on the other guys right now is that he's been here long. He's right. been here longer than Hodge. Actually, if Hodge yeah. was the same year as Mustafer, I, I don't know if yeah, that's a good I think we'd be looking at a different battle, maybe. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. We've got about a, almost a dozen questions from our readers, so we'll tackle all that in segment two of the podcast. Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, our burning up the board segment, starting with a question from PM Moore, 1995. If you had to bet right now, would you say that after this season, we'll be wishing Joe Schmidt was still here, or will you be ready to crucify BVG for not finding a way to get Morgan on the field sooner? That's uh, a good question. Tar and feather, maybe yeah. instead of crucify. Uh, it's like, <laughs> that's a bit rough. It's, yeah, it's a... <laughs> A bad scenario or the worst case scenario? <laughs> Those are your choices. Um, I would pick neither because I just look. We saw Morgan play as a freshman; it was ready to play. Um, I understand the frustration about him not playing last year over a uh, anyone hobbled, hobbled, hobbled Joe Schmidt, but or anyone no role. Yeah, remember no role. By the end of the year, we are not no going to be wishing Joe Schmidt was still on the roster. Um, and I think there may be a question about like, man, why didn't Morgan pick up this? But I'm not going to spend a second blaming Brian Van Gorder about not teaching Niles Morgan faster to play. Um, I'm going to be watching Niles Morgan and be like, man, that's a really good linebacker who's developed over the course of two and a half years, which is what's supposed to happen in college football. Um, I think he's going to have a great year. I don't blame Van I, I think he should have found a role for Niles Morgan somehow. He's a five-star linebacker. It buried, buried him. It buried him. There were goal line... Everybody had a role on that defense from scrimmage except for Niles Morgan, which is weird to me. But, I'm, I mean, I think Niles Morgan's going to have a great game one and keep going. So I don't think anyone's going to care that Van Gorder didn't play him last year, really. Um, do I think he should have? Sure. I think Joe Schmidt should have started when Joe Schmidt had his ankle and broken thumb and hanging shoulder to deal yeah. with. Maybe they should have gone to a little bit of a job share in some way. But that, that's water under the bridge now. Niles Morgan's going to be one of the more exciting players to watch this year. And you absolutely will not need, you're, you're not going to look in the rearview mirror and say, I wish we had someone back. Nope. There are going to be times where you're going to see Niles Morgan make a play, right. and you're, you're going to be really, really impressed with that. And those that say, damn, he should have been playing last year, it's probably an overreaction because, again, I mean, I, I, I agree with 
what both of you are saying. I, I can't look back and say that's that one's on BBG. You can blame a lot of other things, I guess, but but not that. Let let's look forward. Niles Morgan looks like he's ready to play physically. We know we always knew he was superior to Joe Schmidt, but there was a reason why Schmidt was on the field. So look, I, we saw a bunch of training camp practices last year. I didn't see Niles Morgan make one play yeah. in any of them. And so far, we've seen two this year, and he's been awesome in both. He was awesome pretty much all spring. Like, he is a completely different player. Like, now, if you wanted to tell me that Niles Morgan was this good last year and Brian Mangler said him, then yeah, you could, you could tar and feather Brian Mangler. That's fine. Well, but to, he wasn't even close. To me, that's like Martini, because every time Martini gets on the field, he's making plays. He's around the football all the time, but Martini can't get on the field now as a junior. Did or, I, or, or so it appears. Did I mention that yesterday on instant analysis that someone told me he made the... Yes. Play yeah. of the well, preseason. Know, you meant somewhere. You Leaping backwards, one-handed interception at Culver. They just didn't catch it on like clear camera view for uh, reps to mm-hmm. put up there. But yeah, you know, I I don't want to go off into a Greer Martini tangent here, but Tim and I were talking about this during practice. Because he's repping as the number two Sam, and Anuala is obviously the starter, he's clearly repping at will. We just don't see it as much. I have a feeling Greer Martini will still find his way into more scrimmage snaps than the Will linebacker. How's that? It, In a way, it, somehow. It, it still comes down to Bram Van Gorder pressing that button and saying, go in there, yeah. Greer, and I... You don't know if it's going to happen? I, I don't. I, I don't. I think he's the backup Sam, the backup Mike, and he will challenge to start at Will. That's what they do with him, because if you lose Niles Morgan, you're not going to throw in Josh Barajas or Jonathan Jones. You're going to throw in Greer Martini, right? I agree 100%. And if you lose James Onowalo, you're probably not going to say, let's figure out who our backup Sam is. Is it... Who are we moving there? No, I think it's Greer Martini. So maybe he has to rep at other positions instead of as much at will. He doesn't get a lot of time maybe, at will in the I, block. Maybe. And, and maybe, maybe we're overreacting. Right. Maybe I'm overreacting to just seeing a glimpse. But I also, we also have a little bit of insight as the, the relationship sure. there. And I'm not sure that BBG will pull the trigger on, on Martini. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's the most interesting point about it is the relationship between player and coach and like whether that's going to allow... Martin into play or not. And yeah, that's uh, you make a good point there. All right, return to Glory 17. I know we've talked a lot about Chris Fink, but should we be concerned that he seems to be making more noise than our highly ranked and recruited wide receiving core unless he plays at a consistent Joe Schmidt 2014 level? Call me concerned. Joe Schmidt in two questions in a row. Congratulations, Joe, if you're listening. Um, I wouldn't be concerned. Fink looks great in practice because Fink runs away from people and catches the ball. That's... He does more. He does do more in seven on seven and eleven eleven tag off than he does in scrimmage. I think that's true for all the wide receivers, though. He doesn't get as many reps in eleven on eleven. And Brian Kelly mentioned that he, he probably deserves more reps. Right. I mean, he doesn't. It's not that he looks head and shoulders above the other guys at all. It's just that you keep thinking to yourself it's been two August camps now, and he keeps getting open. So he should have a role. He's small. C.J. Sanders is small. Kevin Stefferson is slightly built. They're all going to play. And as Pete was saying, like before this podcast, we were talking about Fink. Believe it or not. And we're saying, look, Sanders is better than Fink. But Fink is probably one of the better guys at running and getting open in this setting. It's a big difference on Saturdays. The wide receiving core is in flux. That's that's the situation. It's, it's probably going to be the situation for more than August, don't you think? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's. I, I think that's a good young wide receiving core, and Chris Fink catches the ball and runs well. I, I don't see a problem here at all. I don't think it diminishes anything that, that C.J. Sanders is doing as he continues to progress. It's not diminishing anything with Kevin Stefferson, who's no. now playing the Z. Look, when Fink came in, we heard we heard right away, this guy is going to do something. He played, why don't, did he play with Malik? He came from the same high school yes, as Malik and Nick Zaire. Coleman. And, and, and Nick Coleman. But, I mean, 
you knew we knew right away that Notre Dame was thinking, man, this kid can play. If so he was six feet, he'd have had three stars. Right, he's five and, nine. You know, that's what sometimes a walk on emerges, and this is one that's emerging. And it's a Pete noted he talked to James Onawalu and asked an open ended question. About, yeah, I didn't mention Chris Finkel. He asked, what wide receivers impressed you, and that was the guy he said in the offseason. Well, Joe's the only guy. He's the mentioned. only guy he mentioned. <laughs> Joe Schmidt flat out said, "Toughest guy to defend in the passing." So game. he should have a Chris role. We'll all get roles. And yeah. I mean, yeah. let's the, the question is phrased like, is he outperforming some more highly ranked like receivers? He, if he's the number two slot, they don't really have another true slot right. guy. You have, a, you have a true freshman as your. You know, so it's yeah. like Kevin Stefferson is sort of inside outside. Holmes, same thing. Holmes, same thing. Chris Fink is only the slot, and CJ Sanders is only the slot. Those are the only two guys on the roster in that position. And Chris Fink is backing up Sanders as uh, a punt returner yep. as well. So this guy's going to have a role. Uh, he should be on scholarship within the next couple weeks. He did not. I that asked you this the other day. Surprised. He did not play last year, right? No, he preserved he the year. He so he's yeah. got, he's got, yeah. he has four years of eligibility. So it's all good, man. Yeah, it's fine. all good. I mean, he could Hunter turn, Renfro, he could, right? He, yeah, he could turn pro after the next year. <laughs> CPU15 asks, after seeing portions of a few practices, what position groups need to be recruited better? And he offers a suggestion. Safety, and that's probably a good starting point. Yeah, I would say safety would be safety. You look at that during practices, and you feel like that's a poor position in terms of talent. Um, that might be about it, though. I mean, defensive really, tackle could be recruited better as of the yeah. Guys what on am I team talking, right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's like even weak side defensive end. Um, I think you watch Dalen Hayes, Okwara, Ogundeje to a much lesser extent versus what they have at safety, and at safety. We're talking about guys. Well, it's probably more of a linebacker. Like eh, I don't think he can play. The young guys they have on the defensive line, I at least think, are going to be very good uh, over the next two, three. I mean, Dalen Hayes maybe right now, but uh, safety to me more than defensive end is the position that I look at, and they they just need to do a better job recruiting. And I think they really need to hit on one of these guys back there, out of the Perry Morgan Elliott. I, I think they have to hit on two. Yeah. I mean. You can't afford it because Redfield's out of here. Right. Um, that's so true. you got to hit on two. Well, they're not going to hit on Spencer Perry at safety. Uh, that, that He looks like a linebacker. They could hit on a Sam linebacker in the future. Well, though. perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Studs still. I didn't great. say Studs. You know, Studs still, Elliot are good. Hope, Pete, I agree with you there. about, you know, yeah, and Tim, defensive tackles. I mean, because that sophomore class, we just don't know what they're going to get from those three guys. A year from now, right. we're, we're not going to be better. saying that with Hinnish and Ewell coming in. Probably not. Yeah, Probably I was not. eliminating anybody coming in. Sure. And just yeah, no, the roster. Got yeah. to love those two. Those good. I wish they, you know, they could probably physically, certainly Yule could physically contribute right now, I think, or at least put his name in the running in, in there. He, I don't think he would be overwhelmed playing at this level, but that's not going to happen. So we'll Are move on from up that. against Quentin Nelson? Yeah. Uh, well, that's an, that's, uh, he's he's going to go against the right guard. Yeah, oh, that's, okay. yeah that's, an unfair, that's an unfair matchup for anyone, Quentin right. Nelson. Uh, Vic Irish won. Who are the top four receivers right now after Hunter in order? That's a good question. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? Yesterday was Boykin. The day before, they're all uh, they're yeah. d- uh, four way tie for second. Yeah, you know what? The W is going to be interesting to me because it's four guys now with the two freshmen. I think it's going to end up be a one two punch of St. Brown and Boykin. Um, one of those two is after Hunter right now. I mean, CJ Sanders is probably after Hunter right now, right? I would put I would go Hunter one, St. Brown two, Sanders, Sanders three. three. I see when I watch Boykin, include, I want include Boykin. the tight ends. Include the tight ends. 
Well, then I would Wisher. bump them all down. Yeah, I, would I would go Smythe, Wisher, St. Brown, Sanders. Yeah, I, I, I like I, the tight ends this yeah. year. I think I would yeah. go St. Brown first still, and then, I don't know, some combination Steph, after well, that. But it, that's why it's a good question, because you, yes, we don't, we don't, a good a, question. We don't Ste- know. Stefferson would probably, would if we're just talking receivers, it would be St. Brown, Sanders, Stefferson. And I think there's a pretty big gap between them once you get down to McKinley and Claypool. I'm going to pound the Boykin bus until proven otherwise because i think his size at the w and he has a weapon running those slants and in routes with that body that unless he is a far more inconsistent catcher than we know and we are told that actually yeah, we, we have it but he I, yeah. I think he looks good and i think they can find him a role it's one of those guys you just have to i think if you play him he makes plays and then he's out there yeah kelly's commentary on him was weird it was like, strange you don't hear a receiver evaluated as like he has a hard time tracking the ball like it's it was doesn't seem like it does it i mean no yeah no i mean it just seems like a fatal flaw yeah. as well like <laughs> well, he's a big you know, he's a big guy he, yeah. he, he isn't he isn't quick i don't think that you would no. say he's a quick receiver he's an inside I think receiver that though i mean i've yeah, been running running inside interior routes he's but. really you know he's tight endish Without the extra pounds, I guess, and so for him to—that's not a great comment that he doesn't track the ball because he's a W. I mean, he's out in open spaces and he has to run and uh, you know find the ball and and turn his body. And he's growing into his body, and that's why he's part receiver, he's part tight end, and every rep is uh, is beneficial. He he needs it, and they need him to emerge on some level. Is that fifteen receptions? You know, I don't know. I mean, probably not, but I, I, I don't know. They need I, but I would put St. Brown there first, right yeah, now. He's, I, he's my number one guy after Hunter. beyond Hunter, of course. Yeah, no question. Kansas and um After viewing two practices, do you guys feel as if the team is who you thought they would be, or have they surprised you? Meaning, arrow up or down as it relates to the excitement going into the season. I'd say arrow up because I wasn't as high on them. I don't think as other people. I would have rated them. Not not name the fifteen teams in front of them. I'd have rated them outside the top fifteen. Okay. Come, you know, I, it's one of those things of well, who's better than them? I mean, I'm just telling you what I I said this last time, I think. I know what a top five team team looks like. Right. I know a top Based 10. upon the cumulative right. looks that we've had through our exactly. lives. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Through our lives. Right. Exactly. Basically. Right. I am I, I'm more impressed with I believe in the depth of the secondary. It's not just someone telling me that anymore. I mean I think Redfield <laughs> has a better chance now than we did two weeks ago. I think the offense will be good because I think their offensive line will be good. I think their running game will be really good. And I think they have great quarterbacks, great quarterbacks possibly. Mm-hmm. Tight ends I like better than, I mean, I know guys Nick Wisher does this every August, but I like their solid tight ends even without Alizé Jones. He would have helped. You know that last question? It was Alizé Jones, the answer. Oh, absolutely. So that's the one problem we still got to go yeah, with there. That, that right. was the answer. Absolutely. I like it more than I did, I think. I would move them into that range. I'm, I'm more encouraged by, I think, I think I'm more encouraged by... <laughs> The possibilities of the run defense. I mean, you know, if, if if Brian Kelly singles out Jerry Tillery, we have to take that on face value until we see more, you know, of, of him playing. Uh, I like Jay Hayes against the run. I yeah, mean, I, I, th- I think Jay Hayes is a Jay Hayes is a scrappy, physical, competitive football player, and I see now why he's on the field. Will he ever get to the quarterback? I don't know. Probably through sheer effort. Yeah. Um, Take them out in the sub package. That's yeah, fine. yeah. I mean, they have well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going. Yeah, you have to. You got. You got. You got to find know. a role for Trombetti. Hayes and Trombetti. So, yeah. We saw Trombetti working off the left side. I don't yeah. know if that was just a. a, a, a he kind of did that against know. Ohio State too. Remember, that's where he made his plays. Well, yeah, yeah that's yeah. why he was. He was 
at the wrong end position right, for right. him to be productive last year. So I guess I'm encouraged by the defensive line because if they do well, the linebackers, Niles Morgan, would be a better football player if they were leading the interference. I'm I'm neither. I'm neutral. There's, I haven't seen anything that makes me more encouraged than I was or more pessimistic than I was. I just Where did you have them? I thought that they were about like bottom of the top ten, yeah. just outside, just that like I mean, and I mean bottom of the top ten, I mean tenth. Um, <laughs> I don't mean like, like six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I think that they're a good team with major questions. A lot of teams have them. Um, you know, I had high expectations for Dalen Hayes as like an X factor on the team. I thought what we saw yesterday sort of backed that up. Uh, I mean, he's a physical, physical dude who's also a really good pass rusher, and they don't have guys like that. Um, so there's, I haven't seen anything that is has been a big revelation for me. So I, I'm still sort of in the nine and three plus group. Um, I, I'm there, I'm there with you. I mean, I'm encouraged by some things, but and I, I just can't buy Max Redfield. Being yeah, a consistent it was, player until he's a consistent player in game situations. I will say, hearing him say he's reached an elite level is wow. better than the old question. Wow. The, the old answers of last year where he understood down a distance oh, or something like that. Remember, that was... Uh, <laughs> he's a young player. <laughs> he's a young player as a, a junior, junior that's figuring out how to play on third down. So this is better than that. I don't think he must have shown Kelly something for him to use elite level. Right? That's a big that's jump. A, that's a, to me, that's a little bit of hyperbole when you start I'm sure, that, but at least it goes from... It's got to come from something. It is. I, but, no, I really and, and look. Love what I what we've seen from Cole Luke in, in two practices. Yes, yeah. a- absolutely, really encouraged by that. Kind of. Uh, I guess I've expected Sean Crawford to be a little bit more shut down and, and, I agree. and dominant. But again, we've just yeah. seen snippets. He's going to be fine. He's hey, a very good. He's player. the only guy that stopped Finky from catching a pass. And there seven you go. Times it's, less. It's, it's, yesterday, it's Fink. Sorry, it's Fink. It's, it's nothing until he, and it's, it's nothing Fink. until they play him. All right. Mm-hmm. Kansas ND, after viewing two practices, ND Troy B, a lot of focus gets placed on the incoming freshmen, like Pete says they are shiny new toys, but which non-freshmen do you see elevating their games to another level, one on offense and one on defense? All right, good Jay Hayes on defense. Um, okay. I think he's going to have a really nice season. Um, I agree with what you're saying. I don't think he's going to have eight sacks, but I think he's going to be a productive player who understands how things fit together in a way that... Uh, you know Romeo Quar maybe didn't. Yeah, you know what? You know what? He, he this is the one comparison to Sheldon Day. He's going to bring Sheldon Day's energy. Yeah, yeah, that's and that good call. and that is really, really important to this defensive line. James Onawale, I think instead okay. of being a guy, I think he'll be a player that is. I'm not saying impact plays over the field, just so solid and so good. We will notice the no, the little things they talk about with Onawale where he. Brian Kelly says he's the best cover down linebacker I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. I think we're going to see James Anawalu holding down the strong side and looking like a senior captain starter. Well, there, there was a rep yesterday. I don't know if it was Smythe or Wisher, but Anawalu tracked them, tracked him all the way across the field on his huge crossing route, and the quarterback threw it there anyway, but there was nothing. I mean, he was running stride for stride, and it wasn't like he's just fast and flailing around. Mm-hmm. He was just like, I'm in your pocket. I'm in your pocket. I'm in your pocket. Like, I think he's going to be that good. Now add that with Niles Morgan's ability to defend the yeah. pass and the potential of Asmar Bilal defending the pass. It should be, a, you know, that linebacker core should be able to cover. 
I'm glad you brought that up because I totally agree. Except every time we talk about the weak side linebacker defending the pass, they, they there's don't. a drop off. Yeah, they don't. From Jalen Smith last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they oh, look yeah. so fast at weak side linebacker. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the that well, and of course, the, the answer to this question on offense is your guy, right? <laughs> no, I mean, he's I, Dexter Williams. Yes, yeah, I think Dexter Williams. I think he's not number three. I think it's one A and one B, and he's number two. Does that make sense? Falston and Adams are certainly well, that's be the guys. How they and, run it. Adams right. and Falston are the number ones. Look, and, and when you get when you get ten carries, you might look really good in those ten carries, and you or five carries, you might earn ten. <laughs> and then running backs are a different breed, man. It's they just need a chance sometimes. You know, if if the one thing keeping him off the field was the, the details, and he gets his chance, and rips off a sixty yard run, he gets back on the field. Yeah. That's, so we have a question from Spread the Field, and that is, who is calling the plays this year? Same same guy that called them last year. I think it will still be Denbrock. Um, I guess we, we haven't really revisited this with Kelly, and I know he loves talking about it, so <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll, we'll bring this up in the next... I would assume it would be the same, that Denbrock would call him. They would collaborate with Kelly and Sanford. Sanford's and come up with the sharing game plan. what he's seeing from up top. But I don't think it's going to be a situation where, like, well, if Zaire's in the game, Sanford's calling the plays, and if Kaiser's in the game, Denbrock's calling the plays. You know, what they did last year worked pretty well. I mean, that offense was as good as it's been under Kelly and better than anything else by a wide margin. And so. I think what Kelly says is that it's a process with three of them. That, that I mean, that's just true. It's, sure. it's three yeah. good offensive minds that are collaborating on, on coming to a conclusion. So I think it's all good. I think that's one of the least of their concerns heading into this season. I think we should save this question and ask Kelly if they – Beat Texas by a low scoring margin in the post game and see what the reaction is. Who called the plays in the 17 16 win? It was, uh... <laughs> oh, that was Dead Brock. That was Dead Brock. Yeah. <laughs> Gavin ND, 2012 notwithstanding, is this the most leader laden team that Brian Kelly has had at Notre Dame? Since last year, for sure. Yeah. I, I, was, I was surprised by this question because I, I think this is one of the bigger challenges of this team and not much has changed there. That leadership is. They have a, they have about four guys, if you count Zaire and Kaiser as one guy, um, that I think are really good leaders, and that's kind of it. I think there's a pretty. Big I think drop they off. had a ton of leadership last year. Yeah, you said they go seven, cap, seven captains deep if you wanted to last year, and they went five. Yeah, they went five. <laughs> well, right. they, we know they could have gone six. Yeah. Sheldon Day, Joe Schmidt, Nick Martin, Chris Brown emerges as a leader. Kavari in his Kavari in way. Way. Matthias Farley. Uh, Far, yeah, yeah. Stanley? I mean, I, I'm not really sure, and, and uh, I mean, we know Gavin knows Notre Dame football. I'm not really sure yeah. where he's coming from. I here, think but... he saw that we talked about Anawalu and McGlinchey leading okay. the message board, and, okay. and guys are. Yeah. But I don't. There, there isn't yeah. as much. You know, Tory Hunter's going to be should be a great player, but I, to say leader, I don't know that we're going to say that at any point this year. No, Maddie McGlinchey, Anawalu, Rochelle. Yeah, Rochelle's got to be maybe tranquil, but I think if you have Rochelle and Anuelo, probably not. And also, like, I'm curious about the tranquil dynamic. He has not played very much um, because of injury. I don't think that diminishes his stature in the around the locker room. And one of the interesting things that, sort of an aside, talking to Sean Crawford yesterday about coming back from the ACL, I said tranquil is a huge inspiration for him because he was like, well, when I was coming back, I heard tranquil set the record the year before. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to beat that. I'm going to beat that. And then Tranquil gets hurt again. and Broke his own record. <laughs> immediately, well, immediately Tranquil's like, I'm going to beat what I did last yeah. year. So I'm coming to get you. And that really inspired. And that's like, and I mean, they that tra- kind of and stuff they trained. I mean, yeah. they, they trained together too. So that yeah. was. 
I think that kind of stuff matters. Your tranquil comment is important because if you made a list of guys that we haven't seen a lot of that are competitors, those two are the top of the list. The guys we haven't seen a lot yeah. of that are, I mean, they will that those guys, they're well rounded people, but they when they're out there, they live and breathe football. Sean Crawford talked about missing the feel of the turf under his cleats yeah. every day when wow. he was practicing. I mean, that guy wants to play football and Drew Tranquil. He played with a torn ACL. Yeah. <laughs> he played the rest of the half with a torn ACL in 2014. That's insanity. They lost, but he played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't his fault. It, it is. Okay, we're going to wrap up uh, today. And like I think Pete said at the top, we're, we're not sure exactly when our next one will be because we're not sure what they're going to allow us to see, whether Saturday's practice will be open or Monday's. But we will likely have a, a podcast either Monday or Tuesday, right? Yes. One way or another. Um, so that's a wrap. That's a wrap. We will uh, we'll get back to you next week. Thanks for joining us. Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley.